0: Snack production. Hey guys, Rosie here. Just wanted to jump in and quickly say uh, we need a little bit of a trigger warning for today's episode just because we're going to very briefly talk about uh, the death of Mary Kay Latorno, who uh, we did an episode on a few weeks ago. Um, we're only going to talk about it for about five minutes um, at the end of breaking news. Um, so if that is something you have issues with and would prefer not to hear then by all means skip ahead through that section and if that section of the podcast does bring up any issues for you uh, contact Lifeline Australia on 13 1114 or go to lifeline.org.au okay on to the pod Take
1: it away, my dulcet-toned Adonis. Hello, Gistners, and welcome back for another instalment of Just The Gist, a weekly-ish podcast where Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a topic we think you'll find interesting enough to bring up at a dinner party where you can sound interesting and sophisticated mm. and intelligent and well-researched, and all I know about today is Well, none topic... of those
0: things, actually. <laughs> At least mildly interesting. <laughs>
1: okay, <laughs> With a <start> half there. <laughs>
0: anecdote that we kind of got right <laughs> when we taught it to you. <laughs> all right, but we're sure, going for oversell, real. Oversell. Sure. oversell, okay. oversell,
1: oversell. Um, all I know about this week's episode is that Rosie's going to be telling us a story about her favourite topic, which is a scam.
0: Well, it's not my, well, yes, I love scams. Mm-hmm. You know that I love all the scams. I love all the schemers. Um, they're always my favorite ones to do. Um, and this is a new one that I vaguely had heard about. And I think most people have vaguely heard about it, but Mm. it wasn't until a documentary came out about it last week Mm. that it's become like, everyone's like, what, how did I not know the details of this? Mm. So I'm going to be talking to you about the McDonald's Monopoly game fraud. Uh Oh. Uh, uh, (laughs) 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 Um, I was trying to do the Home Improvement song. (laughs) Do you remember that?
1: (laughs) You've lost me there as well.
0: People will know it. Okay. Lots of people knew when I did... you named my daughter after the Loch Ness Monster? Right. Lots of people wrote to me that, to say they knew exactly what, what I was talking about, and they found that really <laughs> hilarious. So I feel like 90s JTT fangirls will know.
1: Let us know, everybody. Tim Normally Allen. people tell me that my confused sound is like Scooby-Doo.
0: Oh, or, yes. Oh, or. but it's also like Tim Allen doing the... Okay, okay.
1: Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> We've gone off base. Hello.
0: Um. Yes. So, you know the Mon- McDonald's Monopoly game.
1: The uh, is well, it you a- are a
0: militant vegan, so you probably don't. No. So McDonald's has a game that they do a couple times a year where um they stick little Monopoly pieces to their packaging, to like their drinks and their chips and stuff, mm-hmm. and you can collect the pieces to win stuff. So, like um for example, on the Australian Monopoly board, I think the best pieces are. Park Lane and Mayfair, right? Mm. Um, and so oh, you're not going to be helpful I've at all. This episode, I've never even played Monopoly. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> we might it's actually have to not go that way, crucial way, way to the story. But um, so you collect real estate in Monopoly, mm. okay? We do you know what a board game is?
1: <clears throat> Familiar. We are yes. on
0: board with um, okay dice. Mm.
1: On board with the boards, um,
0: board yep. games. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Leisure, fun. <laughs> <laughs> Any activities not to do with skincare and eating spinach.
1: <laughs> That's are we following (laughs) is all sorts of fun
0: okay so anyway um you collect real estate in monopoly and so mcdonald's has this thing where like if you collect the popular real estate stickers that they put on their packaging as a little set Mm. then you win prizes so Mm -hmm. if you collect park lane and mayfair which are like the two best pieces on the monopoly board you win a car like Mm -hmm. or sometimes there's instant win pieces so you'll just take a piece off and it'll say free cheeseburger. And you're like, hooray. Mm-hmm. Or you'll take a piece off and it'll say free $25,000. And you are be like, hooray. Mm-hmm. Um, but back when the game first started in the US in 1987, there was big prizes. Like there was, if you collected the two best pieces on the board, you got a million dollars. And there okay. was also a million dollar instant prize piece. So you could just be eating your chips, peel the Monopoly sticker off, instant win million dollars.
1: Okay, so it's kind of like they turned buying McDonald's into buying a scratchy ticket. So yeah, the basically. the more you bought from McDonald's, the more chances you had of winning.
0: Yes. That's clever. And it turns out from the game started in 1987 and from 1989 to 2001, there were no major legitimate winners because they were all fraudster winners. So I'm going to tell you how it happened. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so people... Frauding the game, rigging
1: it. Okay. Game on! It.
0: Yeah, so that's what's happening today. Oh my god, I really didn't think I would have to explain the concept of Monopoly and McDonald's to you. <laughs> 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 but we got there. <laughs> we got there. Okay, um, are we ready for? <gasps> <gasps> breaking news! A breaking news! I got the scoop. See, extra, extra. Read all about it. A breaking news. Which? I feel like the first Breaking News in Breaking News is people really missed Breaking News when we didn't do Breaking they News. Did, yeah. I know. Mm. So take that, Susans, <laughs> 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 whose real names I can't remember.
1: I'm not surprised we've got more fans than haters of the I Breaking know. News theme tune.
0: So we had an episode last week that had been in the can for a while and we needed to use it. And so the I think we had recorded breaking news on it, but it was just mm. all out of date. So we... By like three months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut it. Yeah. but um, And people really noticed. Mm-hmm. It turns out they like when we just talk shit. Well... And also clearly love the theme song. <laughs> um, so Felix
1: is a DJ. I feel like he should do a remix of it at
0: some point. Okay, well, I was going to save this surprise for later. Oh. (gasps) But I'll do it now that you said that. So Fifi, (laughs) our producer, didn't do a remix, but a fan did. Shut up. And it's not of the Breaking News song, although Mm. I would love remixes of that. So please get to it, people. Mm. Would you like me to read you the email that came literally to, (laughs) like while you were in the bathroom, me, Fifi and Dino were sitting here and this email came through. And I nearly died. (laughs) Okay. And so I'm telling you, Alex R, who sent it, you literally sent this two minutes before we started recording. It was perfect timing. Uh Okay. Hi, Rosie. I feel like I should preface this with an apology. I promise I don't normally go around orchestrating people willy-nilly, but thanks to the virus that shall not be named, I have a lot of free time on my hands and was hankering for a project. Anyway, for your amusement and hopefully enjoyment, I present... The Jacob Stanley theme from episode 39. Love your work, Alex. Okay, so do you remember when I said I was interviewing you about your life because people wanted to know more about you and on the spot I came up with that stupid theme song if you were walking onto like Good Morning Australia back in the 90s? Mm. Alex has made that into an actual piece of music. Here, with the magic of editing, Mm. is me humming it originally. And here we have, for the first time... Jacob Stanley, and you walk out on stage. <cuping> yeah, okay. And now, <recessed> here, I'll play this for you, but Fifi will put it on the thing properly. Okay. This is, it's so amazing. Please welcome. Jacob Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> Alex R. Alex
1: R. Alex wow, R. was that a harp I heard?
0: Uh, yes. Yeah. It was definitely that. Um, the. Stick along the oh,
1: those ones xylophone yeah.
0: thingy yes chimes whatever they're called we're clearly both very musical oh, wow <laughs> I know snaps to Alexia and then as a P.S. he she I'm not sure said P.S. Julie Dobbini the movie blow that for a joke try Julie Dobbini the musical please <gasps> make this happen and I was like yes with you as the composer obviously yes. Anyway,
1: so on board. Can't wait to work with you more, Alex
0: R. <sighs> Thank you so much, Alex R. I'll I'll reply to that email like because I literally just got it, so I haven't mm-hmm. had time. But <laughs> that is the best That's thing ever. That's <laughs> so great. Yes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> please, we'll love, we'll happily take more unsolicited, um, orchestral
1: fan art. Yes. Yeah.
0: We'd love it. Thank you so much.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, speaking of fan art. Uh, Stuart Semple t-shirts
1: yes. are back in
0: stock, which 5,000 people tagged us in. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we're aware. Get on board. Um, get on board. Please go and buy them. Also, an event has been organized for, I think, September, where um, on one particular day, everybody's going to go to the Bean in Chicago and stick dildos on it. And run away. And run away. Yes. <laughs> so a lot of people are suggesting first buying Stuart Semple paint, painting their dildo, and then going and st-
1: Yes. Mm.
0: So if you're in Chicago, get on it. You've
1: got no excuse. You've got
0: no excuse. We literally cannot get there mm. because the world is shut down.
1: I'm happy to sponsor someone in Chicago to go and do it on my behalf.
0: <gasps> yes. Oh, yes. that's such a good idea, a sponsorship program. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that is the top priority yes, right now. Yes, in the is world, the world right needs. <laughs> now.
0: Need a sponsorship program for sticking dildos on the bean. <laughs> 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 Hashtag... Uh, All of us in it together. (laughs) Hashtag spread the love.
1: Stronger together.
0: Hashtag stronger together. Um, I mean, I don't know. What else? Kanye West said he's running for president. Is that real? I don't know. Is it? I mean, I think he thinks it is, but then I read today that he's missed the filing date for like 10 different states. (laughs) So he can still run, but he's already not going to get a lot of votes
1: fifth of the
0: states yes yeah uh-huh. oh yes maths mm. um <laughs> so i mean i feel like he i mean he's he's admitted he has bipolar i think yeah really oh, yeah his ah. last album was called like i'm bipolar something something art something really um i think sometimes he just like gets on a bit of a high and just Tweets, crazy shiz.
1: Okay, so the only announcement has been via Twitter? Yes, he said
0: via Twitter. And then my favourite person in the world, Elon Musk, responded, like, I'm your biggest supporter or whatever. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) Oh, speaking of Elon Musk, Mm. he's been photographed a whole bunch of times with Ghislaine Maxwell, who got arrested. (gasps) Oh. Yeah, did you know this? I heard about her. So she is Jerry Epstein's, like basically accomplice mm. in all of his gross dealings. Mm. And she, when he, um, stooped himself in prison, um, disappeared. Mm. Why are you smiling? He stooped himself you stoop seems someone, like-
1: When someone, it's them. That sounds like them. he jerked off in prison. Yeah.
0: Well, he is no longer with us, mm-hmm. so there you go. Mm-hmm. Um. Which a lot of people say is a conspiracy and that he was murdered. Mm. Then that gets into QAnon type stuff and I'm not quite comfortable walking down that line. Yeah. Pete Evans-y, but anyway. Um, So she took off and no one could find her and she, you know, had gazillions of dollars and was hiding all over the place, but then they arrested her last week, Mm. a few days ago. And there's all these photos have come out of her with all these celebrities because like she was a gazillionaire and well, she wasn't really a gazillionaire. He was, but she was like his bestie mm. and, um, she was at all the parties. So now there are all these celebrities who are like, Ooh, and Ooh. He one of them. Mm. he's in a couple of photos with her and, um, I don't know. I think, I think I was saying to Caleb the other night, I reckon she's just going to turn on everyone for immunity. Mm. So like some big shocking news is going to come out because mm. I think she's going to say to them, I don't want to go to prison or, uh, you know, in exchange for only going to prison for a year instead of my life, I will give up Prince Andrew. I will give up all these other people, you know what I mean? I Mm. think she's going to just go down swinging. Mm -hmm. People are going to get busted. Mm -hmm. Rightly so.
1: Yeah. Uh, Hopefully she doesn't just turn up dead in a jail cell as well. That's what everyone's saying as Mm. well.
0: Stooping herself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which doesn't mean what I
0: thought. Anyway... (laughs) Um so I think that's all my breaking news. Do you have any?
1: Well, I bought the official car of all suburban lesbians. Yes. Um <laughs> I'm now the proud owner of a Subaru Outback with all the bells and whistles.
0: Yes, which we've been reliably told by um a lesbian in our life that that is the token car of lesbians going to Bunnings on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um which is a surprisingly butch choice for you, Jacob.
1: It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gone in a whole new direction. Also, you called me a militant vegan before. I'm wearing a sheep.
0: Oh, <laughs> like, are this you? is
1: a real sheep.
0: Oh, I, I assumed know. it was like oh, <laughs> I never inebrible. know.
1: Sadly not, no.
0: Well, I know mm. you're not a militant vegan because you eat sea animals. Mm. Because you, and I've had this argument with you many times. Why do you value the life of a prawn less than <laughs> the life of a cow? And you just do. <laughs> prawns are way more delicious. See, I'm not a hypocrite. I eat everything indiscriminately except mm-hmm. things that are gross, like prawns. Mm-hmm. See, I don't I do not not eat them because I care about their lives. I don't eat them because they're disgusting. <laughs> so have some integrity like me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a
1: fish and uh um, oh,
0: Yeah, I suppose. But you wouldn't eat the chips. No. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is where we balance each other out. I'm That's eating the true. prawns you're leaving behind. That's you're it. eating the chips I don't want.
0: And I don't have my license, so you can drive and I offset your carbon. Yeah. Yeah. Yin-yang. Huzzah. Okay, and we were about to exit breaking news and Mm. um, you might be able to tell Talk, Jacob, Talk. You sound different.
1: I'm far, far away.
0: Yes, so we're recording this little extra bit of breaking Mm. news um, a couple days after we recorded the breaking news we just did because I think you all know what I'm going to say. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do, 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 who gives an F but sure Mary Kay Latorno Child rapist Died mm-hmm. And uh, it, it came out in the news The day after we recorded this podcast episode So we mm. hadn't obviously talked about it In breaking news But then Jacob and I got tagged I would say about 7,000 times On social media <laughs> Thereabouts <laughs> Um <laughs> Uh, I will say though, one person was successful at being the first person to tell me, and it did blow my mind. I was out, uh, helping my sister with the kids and, uh, a woman called Tracy, um, emailed the just the gist podcast at gmail.com. Mm. So an alert came up on my phone and she put in the subject heading. Perfect. OMG dot, 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 dot. Mary Kay Letourneau is dead, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> and I was like, what? And so I clicked and then I went and looked at the news and then I went into my other uh, social media accounts and saw that because I don't get notifications mm-hmm. because otherwise my phone would melt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that, yeah, we had literally already within 10 minutes been tagged a thousand billion trillion zillion times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did call you and yeah. we were both just like, whoa. Oh, Oh, no. Oh. Mm. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Conflicting emotions. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's because odd. there's two girls who've lost their mother and yes. that is a fact and you know Well, she... and she
0: oh, also remember those four other kids that she just pretended oh, she had. Oh, that's have. right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So six children, adult children, have lost their mother, yes.
1: Yes, and that is certainly sad. Um, I think I saw a few people send a message, though, saying that they're really thrilled that now Vili has a level of freedom that he's never been able to enjoy as an adult. Yes.
0: So this is, oh, God, because I just, yeah, and we, to be honest, would not, this is not the kind of thing we would specially come into the studio to record or specially... Mm we're literally only doing this because we have a meeting this afternoon about other podcast stuff and we were Mm. like, okay, well we're both going to be online. We might as well record something like, cause Mm. I just, uh, I don't know, but uh, okay. So here's, here's the news. She was 58. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer nine months ago, Mm -hmm. which they kept private, which is why, you know, we did a podcast on her what three, two or three weeks ago. And Mm -hmm. I had no idea, um, um, she was diagnosed, um, a few months after the marriage separation with Vili Falau was mm. finalized. Um, he then went back after the separation to provide her with 24 hour a day care because she wow. was, that's what she needed. Mm. Um, she then went into hospice, um, mm. which is, you know, end of life, uh, specialized care, which apparently mm. he was also there for that. And then uh, a couple of days ago, she died. And I agree with you. I mean, so many people tagged us in this and some people were like, oh, isn't that sad or whatever. But I was just like, as far as I'm concerned, all this really means is that Billy Folau is now f- truly free of mm-hmm. a lifelong abuser. And like you said, I think any sadness here is for her children because mm-hmm. it is sad for any children to lose mm-hmm. a parent. Um, but... You know, she was a sexual abuser of a 12 year old and that 12 year old was then trapped in a life of abuse with her until his 30s. And if you watch even the most recent interviews with them, um, which I did because of researching the podcast and which a lot of people did um, after they listened to our podcast and got in touch with me to talk about how creepy they are. Like, because even in those recent interviews, the way she speaks to him and treats him it's clear that the dynamic between them continued being very unhealthy. And mm-hmm. even though he, you know, is an adult now, I personally think it was abuse at least psychologically the whole time, mm-hmm. even once he was able to consent physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I really do think that now he can truly start to move on and heal from what ended up being over 20 years of being victimized by a predator.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Go Oh, I was just going to say Till the very end She was denying that she had actually done oh. something wrong She's quoted as saying um, I only pled guilty because my lawyer told me that I should I don't believe that I'm guilty of anything Apart from cheating on my husband Yeah. And she continued to put the blame on Billy For being the one who instigated it with her Yeah um, And I think you're absolutely right She's done so much to manipulate and to control him Throughout mm. such a large portion of his life um, and I do feel a sense of optimism for him now that he can move on from
0: that. So do I. And, I mean, even recently after their separation, he, and even to when they were still married, actually, he was saying towards the very end, and I think it's because he was finally starting to separate himself from that abusive situation, he was saying things like, look, I'm seeing things in a different light now. Mm. Um, I never, because, you know, I this thing happened and then I got stuck with, not st- stuck with, but he got two Mm. kids when he was a teenager and, Mm -hmm. and he's like, I never had the chance to just sit back and reflect on Mm. whether or not it was healthy or not healthy for me. And I'm starting to realize that maybe it wasn't. And Mm -hmm. so he's, you know, I think got a long way and I think their separating was probably positive for him. And, um, in a, in, to be perfectly like abrupt and pretty pragmatic about it, her dying is probably good for him too because Mm. I doubt given that they shared children together and they only just separated an abuser never wants to let their victim go so Mm. I think that it would have remained incredibly difficult for him to detangle himself from that Mm. situation Mm. um had she remained around Um, but a great article came out today in Rolling Stone that we'll put in the show notes um it's headlined how the media turned child rape into a tryst for Mary Kay Letourneau. And I just wanted to read this paragraph. It says, Letourneau, who died of cancer on Tuesday at 58, did not tryst with her former sixth grade pupil, Vili Falau, with whom she first had sex when she was 34 and he was 12. Despite the couple's claims that the relationship was consensual and that they were deeply in love, according to any moral or legal definition, Letourneau raped Falau. And putting her beautiful maternity photo on the cover of People magazine would be akin to publishing beefcake prison shots of Jeffrey Epstein. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm, but you mm-hmm. know what? Abuse is abuse and mm-hmm. abuse of children is abuse of children. And mm-hmm. I guess the thing that I quite liked yesterday, and this is uh, kind of all I really want to say about it, I'm glad that all the headlines yesterday didn't do that thing where they, Said like Mary Kay Letourneau, teacher who had affair with student mm. dies. All the headlines yesterday said some variation of Mary Kay Letourneau, teacher who raped child student has mm. died. Mm-hmm. And um, you know I think that's the eulogy she deserved. Mm-hmm. So bookend that.
1: Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more.
0: All right, well. So that rounds out
1: breaking news for the week.
0: We talked about it. There you go. Good. She's a child rapist has died. (laughs) That's breaking news. On with the pod. (laughs) Do la da da do. Bye. (laughs) Are you ready for this? I am. <laughs> oh, I'm going to start with the references today. <laughs> As Caleb went back to Adelaide, I'm just at home alone. So I'm like, I'm just Did excited to, to be around people. <laughs> no, I just have that reference in my head always. Uh-huh. Don't you know my brain is just a filing cabinet of pop culture references? Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. So Here we
1: go. if I've got the maths right, someone was rorting this McDonald's Monopoly game lottery for 11 years.
0: 12. 12. Wait, wow. 11? Wait,
1: 1989 to 2001.
0: Yeah, 12. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we've established what McDonald's is, a mm. fast food chain <laughs> in which people eat burgers made of animals. Mm-hmm. Monopoly is a board game in which people buy real estate mm-hmm. and it's actually a lot funner than it sounds.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and there is the there is the Monopoly game at McDonald's, which we still have here in Australia. I think the last time was like a few months ago they had it because mm. the kids love it. Mm. I remember when I was little I loved it. You were obsessed with collecting them because they have a little, they used to have a little paper um, Monopoly board and then as you got your pieces you stuck them to the board as you collected mm. them. I don't know if they do that anymore. I'm pretty sure it's all online. It's kind of done now. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, Muhammad gets really excited, my nephew, when he wins, like, a free cheeseburger. So it's, like, exciting. Like you said, it's, like, scratchies on it. It's
1: teaching kids to gamble from a very young age, though, and associating that with poor diet choices as well.
0: I suppose. It's
1: problematic.
0: But McDonald's is a special treat. Okay. Yeah. And, I mean... They still get kids to, I mean, we used to color in pictures of our favorite horse that we got in the sweepstakes on Melbourne Cup Day. It's a gambling culture. Mm. I'm not endorsing it. I'm just saying it it's is a fun it game is. to play. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like I said, from 1989 to 2001, the game started in 1987. Mm-hmm. So there was two years where it was legit. Mm-hmm but no one really won anything major. From 1989 to 2001, there were no legitimate major prize winners in the game. There were major prize winners, Mm -hmm. but they were Dodgerama. Mm. The shocking part of that is twofold. A, when people found out they couldn't believe that someone had managed to pull off this major fraud, and B, they were like, wait a second, how come nobody's ever actually really won this thing? Like, Mm -hmm. Dodgy on McDonald's, also. Mm. That's probably because the odds of winning the $1 million instant prize or any of the major prizes really is estimated to be at one in 250 million. So it's basically almost impossible to win because I mean, they put the pieces on certain bits of packaging packaging, which go out to random places. Mm. And so then you've got to get that piece of packaging. You've Mm. got to care enough about it that you look at it and not just chuck it. Mm. You've got to, um, Unless it's an instant win one, you've got to collect it along with other pieces. Like, it's just a lot goes into actually winning that I think people don't mm. consider. I mm-hmm. mean, it's like the lotto. How often? But, like, people keep playing the lotto because, like they say, someone's got to win it. Mm-hmm. But in this, kind of someone doesn't. Because in this game, the winning lotto ticket could always just get thrown out. Mm-hmm. This there's problems all round. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so... This documentary just came out on HBO called McMillions and it tells the story of the whole thing. And I watched it last week and it's so amazing. Everybody has to go and watch it. Um, you can access it in Australia. I think if you have Foxtel or I watched it on that streaming service, Binge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's six episodes and it goes into like a lot of detail. Like, mm. But it's amazing because all these interesting characters are part of it and the mob gets involved and it's hilarious and funny and interesting I mean, I'll give you just the gist now, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, really go and watch Um, The reason not a lot has been known about this until the documentary came out, like it was in the news a bit and there's like some Reddit threads talking about it, like it's a conspiracy theory. But the reason nobody really ever knew about this in a big way is because the trial started on September 10, 2001. Oh. And so it just disappeared yeah. as a news story. Mm. Um and it wasn't until 2017 I was listening to an interview with the um creators of the of McMillian's the documentary mm. and they said um one of them was just on a Reddit thread one night like looking at interesting stories and one of them was hey does anybody remember that that McDonald's Monopoly game was a scam for years and he was like what and he started reading this Reddit thread and he was like this is Crazy, And so then he spent the last few years making a documentary about it. Wow. But other than that, there's been no major, like, journalistic or pop cultural investigation into it. Mm -hmm. So.
1: And he got it from Reddit. Okay, one day, sidebar, can you explain what Reddit is to me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you.
0: All right, sure. Why don't you come up with a list of all the things you don't know about, e.g. McDonald's, Monopoly, (laughs) Reddit, other things, and we'll go from there. Deal. Yeah. Okay, Okay. so here's just the gist of this. Mm-hmm. In the year 2000, an anonymous tip came into the FBI that somebody called Uncle Jerry was rigging the McDonald's Monopoly game. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they did some initial looking into it, they found that three of the major prize winners over the last few years were all living in the same area mm-hmm. and were all linked in some way like brother-in-law or cousin or friend of a friend to a guy called jerry Mm colombo now like i said the odds of winning the top prize were one in 250 million Mm. so the odds of three people living in the same area who all have some kind of tangential connection to one person was like impossible so that's where the fbi were like hmm there might be something to this and September 11 hasn't happened yet so we actually have time like this is when they spent time on stuff like this and not mm-hmm. just on counterterrorism um so when they started looking into it they discovered even more people connected to this person Jerry Colombo basically winning every top prize for the last like 10 years and mm. that isn't just the 1 million that's everything from a car to 25,000 to 100,000 to the 1 million like all the top prizes mm. So at first they assumed that Uncle Jerry, the Uncle Jerry that the anonymous tip had come in about was actually Jerry Colombo because he was a mobster who was part of the Colombo crime family, which is like a super famous mafia family in New York that a lot of those movies are based on. Mm. And so they were like, well, it has to be this guy because he's a criminal and all these people are connected to him. That must be it. But then they found out that he'd actually died in a car accident in 1998 and the dodgy winners had kept happening for uh-huh. the next two years. So they were like, well, who is it then? Mm. Um, and they think it could be anyone, like they're open to anyone. Like, they're like It could be a worker at a store. It could just be some kid like making chips or it could be a big wig at corporate. And then they find out that the Monopoly game is actually run by a completely separate third entity. So it's interesting that you mentioned that that's basically like McDonald's endorsing gambling. Mm. They're not allowed to do that. They're not allowed to put like, run a scratchy game. Yeah. So technically a marketing company hired by McDonald's runs the game uh. for McDonald's. Uh-huh. So there's like a separation of uh. entities. And so Simon Marketing is a very famous marketing company they invented the Happy Meal, uh-huh. like they're huge. So they invent the the Monopoly game and they run it. And all the tickets, all the little game pieces that get stuck on the packaging are printed by this printing company called Dillard Printing. And they are like a special printing company that makes special stuff so they print all lottery tickets Mm -hmm. they print all u.s postage stamps so this is like a printing company that is all about security Mm -hmm. and making important stuff for important people and Mm -hmm. competitions and stuff Mm -hmm. so um mcdonald's they think have done everything they can to keep this from being dodgy but it also means for the fbi that it just widens the pool of possible people it could be like there's Mm -hmm. this marketing company involved and there's this printing press involved and there's all this stuff And then they catch a break because they realize that the head of security at Simon Marketing Mm. is a guy called Jerry Jacobson. Uh And they're like, oh, maybe this is the Uncle Jerry that the anonymous tip came in about. Uh So at this point, all they know is that they found connections between all the winners and they got this tip about someone called Uncle Jerry and There's a guy called Jerry working at the marketing company, but they have no proof and they need to catch this happening in the act. Mm. So they approach McDonald's and they say, your entire competition has been compromised. Soz and McDonald's is like, what? And they're like, but we think we can catch the people. We Mm. believe it's been going on pretty much the entire time you've had the competition. We need your help to investigate. And McDonald's is like, Oh, my gosh. Okay, whatever you need. And so the FBI asks McDonald's, will you run the competition one more time so that we can surveil this Jerry guy at the marketing company and catch him in the act? Because we just don't have, an like, we can sort of link these people together, but it's not strong enough evidence. We need to catch him doing it. Mm. And McDonald's is like, this is going to be bad for us because – will basically be defrauding people. Like when they run the Monopoly game, their profits go up by something like 300% while the game is happening because people are obsessed with it. They Mm. buy so much more stuff trying to win. Mm. And McDonald's was like, up until that point, they thought they were running it fairly. But if they run the competition one more time, knowing that there's not going to be any real winners, Mm. they're basically encouraging people to spend money for a a competition that's a lie.
1: Yeah, they already know it's rigged, yes. and they're doing it kind of as entrapment as well.
0: Kind of, yeah. Mm. Um, but like, also, they're like, "But we have been giving away all this. We've been doing this competition for all this time. It's also probably in our best interest to cooperate with the FBI and just yep. catch." And and so they're mm. like, "Fine, we'll do it." Mm-hmm. So McDonald's agrees to run the competition <laughs> one more time, but it's a fake competition just to catch Uncle Jerry, Uh Jerry Jacobson, at Simon Marketing. Mm -hmm. So how do they catch them? Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. (laughs) They go undercover, bitch. (laughs) So they get a major marketing executive at McDonald's, like a real woman who works at McDonald's called Amy Murray, and she's kind of the um, client liaison who has worked with all the winners in the past. Like she's the one who turns up at their door with a giant check and Mm -hmm. gets photos of them or whatever. So they Mm -hmm. all kind of know her. And so they say to her, We need you to go undercover. As with the all- <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the gist. <laughs> um, they said, We need you to go undercover with a bunch of FBI agents. And what we want you to do is call all the major winners from the last 10 years or 11, 12 years and tell them that McDonald's is doing a reunion video. Basically an ad like showing where past winners are now and this is how it changed my life and thank you, McDonald's. I love Mm -hmm. you so much. And so then Amy goes with a film crew that is entirely made up of FBI agents (laughs) to all the winners' houses and films, interviews with them about their win. Mm -hmm. So basically they're using these interviews to catch people in lies that they can use as evidence later. And, um, in McMillian's they've got the footage of the interviews and it is awful to watch because these people are shitting their pants. <laughs> like, cause when you win, you have to agree to do any publicity and marketing that they want. So uh-huh. you kind of, they have, they have no choice but to do these yeah. interviews. And at first it was like when they won, they got their check and there was like an interview and that was it. Mm. But now someone's turned up at their house with a whole film crew and they're asking them like in detail, tell us about the day you won. Like what store was it at? Oh, my Mm. gosh, where were you? Like how did it go? Like and then they're starting to like fall into traps of getting details wrong. So like I'll explain in a sec, like, how the whole scheme worked. But uh-huh. basically because one of none of these people won legitimately, they didn't have legitimate stories yeah. about how they won. And so Amy would ask them on camera, like, so this is a photo of the store where you won, right? Like, mm. can I get you to autograph this photo? And they'd be like, yeah. And it was, like, a store, like, from somewhere 5,000 miles away. Like, it wasn't mm. where they said they won at all. Um, and then this FBI agent called Doug, who was posing as the director of the commercial, he would chime in with questions too, like, oh, Amy... Don't you think it would be interesting if we got them talking about what they did X, Y, Z date? So they're just trapping them into all these details and uh. these people are sitting there like, yes, and then I won and I was very happy mm. when I pulled the thing off the drink <laughs> in the place I was at. Like it's, oh, my God, it's cringe. It's cringe. Um, and Amy, by the way, is amazing. Mm. Like she's a regular lady who just works at McDonald's marketing yeah. and she goes on this undercover sting to all these different places and, like, totally keeps her cool the whole time. She's like – and they're interviewing her now and she just looks back at it laughing. Like, she's like, I can't believe I did that. Um, Does she still work
1: at McDonald's? Yeah, she's
0: still there. She's, like, pretty much head of marketing now at McDonald's. So they interview her in McMillions and she talks about doing wow. it. Yeah, it's nuts.
1: Surprise, the FBI didn't offer her a job. Anyway, I know. Day.
0: Um, So – These people would obviously leave these interviews and immediately call people involved in the scam like, oh my God, I just had to do this interview and I'm freaking out. And of course, the FBI had tapped their phones, So they got all of that. Uh And so they had also, while they're going around collecting that evidence from dodgy like past winners, they were also following and tapping the phone of Uncle Jerry, Mm -hmm. Jerry Jacobson, the head of security at Simon Marketing. Mm. Now, he could not know that this round of the competition was rigged because then he wouldn't do what he'd normally been doing. Mm. So everything had to be set up the way they, it usually was the competition had to be totally like normal. And so he went around doing what he normally did Mm. and they busted him. They got him on camera. They got him in phone calls. They caught him organizing to give that year's like winning pieces to new winners. Mm. And he seemed to have a recruiting system where he had a few people below him Mm who would go around finding other people willing to agree to be winners. Mm -hmm. And so they got him on camera, handing a bunch of the winning game pieces over to people. And then the clincher was the FBI got McDonald's to delay sending out any prize money that year. And when the people who had agreed to be winners weren't getting sent the cash, they started freaking out and calling him and calling the recruiters. And normally he was pretty careful about not saying anything on the phone, but because Mm -hmm. he didn't know what was happening, he was trying to keep all these people calm. He started talking about it a lot on the phone and they recorded the phone calls. Mm and So with that evidence, plus catching all the past winners lying on camera, they were ready to arrest. Uh So... They organized a mass arrest to happen at the same time so nobody could tip anybody off. Mm -hmm. So they had different people at all of their houses. At the same time, they raided all of their houses. Are we
1: talking dozens, hundreds?
0: In the end, 53 people were Uh charged. But um, on this particular day, I think think in the documentary, they were at like about 12 different places. Uh So it was Jerry Jacobson plus a bunch of the past winners that they'd caught on camera. Mm -hmm. And then when those people started talking, I think they implicated more people. So this is where they figured out how he did it. But also that a lot of the people involved were just regular people who got in way over their heads Uh and didn't realise the intricacies of what they were a part of. Mm. And they know this because these people were mostly people who'd never been in trouble before. So the second the FBI turned up, they were like, I'll tell you everything, what do you need to know? Like They just freaked and Mm. just did what they were told, which is exactly like... I've never been in trouble with the law. Like, the second if anything like that happened to me, I would just.
1: <laughs> Sing like a canary. I
0: would. I would. It does, like, I am just, like, the biggest snitch. Yeah. I've just been like, I'll give you anyone. <laughs> what do you need? Like, so they all started talking. So how did he do it, Jacob? Well, Jerry Jacobson had a system. Mm-hmm where he would steal the winning game pieces. I mean, obviously. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you how he would do that at the end because it's not so. Uh-huh. But for now, I'll just say he would steal them. Then he would get people to claim them if they agreed to give him a portion of the money. Uh-huh. Because a lot of people don't know that the million-dollar ticket um, doesn't give you a million dollars up front. It gives you $50,000 a month for 20 years.
1: And then tax comes out of that yes. as well.
0: So, Jerry was like, if you give me... of that $50,000 every month, Mm. you can have this $1 million game piece. Mm -hmm. He was also pretty dishonest with people about how dodgy he was being. Like, he would tell people he worked for Simon Marketing, Mm. the company that ran the competition, and it was his job to decide where to distribute the tickets. So, like, it was a little bit dodgy that he was picking someone, but really, what's the difference between it going to a random and it going to you? Mm. Like, he kind of would word it in a way that people were like, oh... I guess, and mm. other people, he told them that McDonald's rigs the game so that um, nobody can win, and so, like, he's kind of being like Robin Hood, like, ah, mm-hmm. making sure people, and then people were like, yeah, F McDonald's. Like, mm. So he was telling people certain stories, but also, like, at the end of the day, you still know you're doing something dodgy, yeah. even if it's not as dodgy, as, even if you don't think it's as dodgy as it is. Mm. Now, because, and this is where, like, All the dodginess comes into it more so. Like I said before, the chances of winning the main prize is one in 250 million. Mm -hmm. Jerry had to make sure the people he gave winning tickets to weren't connected in any way. Um, So, the first couple of years, he gave tickets to people in his life that had different last names. So, Mm -hmm. they couldn't really be connected to him. He also knew that um, McDonald's designated a certain area, like this ticket will go to, I don't know, somewhere in. New York Mm -hmm. so he knew whereabouts somebody had to win Mm -hmm. so he would sort of try and find people in different areas and whatever but um it got to the point where he realized he needed more help to start distributing the winning tickets Mm -hmm. and like to sort of create a wider web of people that weren't connected to him so that's when he brought in the mobster Jerry Colombo who he says he just randomly met at an airport one day and was Mm -hmm. like you're dodgy do you want to get on this thing with me (laughs) So um, (laughs) he told Jerry Colombo about the scheme and said he needed his help finding people willing to be winners. And um, Uncle Jerry, Jerry Jacobson, Uh um, was like, I don't care how you do it as long as I get my cut of the winnings. And so Jerry Colombo starts selling tickets up front. Uh So he'd say to people, I have a million-dollar game piece. I'll sell it to you for $100,000 up front. Then you need to give a quarter of it every month to Uncle Jerry, but the rest is yours. Wow. So.
1: This is quite the web.
0: I know. Because mobster Jerry Colombo is like not very careful, he's the one who starts just giving them out to friends and family in the same place Mm. because he's like, he, he gave one to his brother and he gave one to his wife's father and he was, and so he wasn't being particularly careful about it. And he was also getting like super greedy. So there was one woman who was a friend of his wife And she was a social worker and a single mother and she was barely getting by. And he, but he knew that she owned her own house. Mm. And he said, well, if you remortgage your house, you can give me an amount of money up front Mm. and then you can do this thing. And so she was like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. But she said what she didn't realize was, like you said, there's tax. Mm. So she remortgaged her house to give Jerry Colombo this big amount of money up front. And then she'd get 50 grand a month but 20 of that went on tax Mm. and then another 20 went to Uncle Uncle Jerry Jerry. and then she's left with 10, but because she'd remortgaged her house, her loan repayments were really huge and she Mm. was like, at the end of the day, I was better off before I did it. Right. And so um, Jerry Colombo just kind of started screwing the whole thing up by getting really greedy and not being careful about who he was giving the pieces to. Some people said Jerry Colombo, they paid him money up front and then he just never gave them anything and – um, so that's where the things start to get a bit loose and like people like, this is the point where they're like, who is the anonymous tipster? It's probably somebody that he screwed over that got mm. annoyed or whatever. Um, but then he dies in the car crash in mm. 1998 and uncle Jerry, the guy at Simon marketing, it's mm. so confusing cause they're both called Jerry. Yeah. But the mobster Jerry's gone now. He's mm-hmm, dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Uncle Jerry, the guy at Simon Marketing, is like, well, crap. I mean, he was a mobster and he was dodgy, but he was at least getting the job done. Mm-hmm. Like, And so then he starts, like, desperately trying to find more people to help him get the tickets out there. And so then it just – this is where everything kind of falls apart a little because Jerry Colombo's pissed a lot of people off and – And Jerry Jacobson just starts hiring anyone to help him so too many people know about it and it's, like, all getting out of hand and he doesn't know who he can trust and then the tip comes into the FBI. Mm. So how did he actually do it? How did he steal the game pieces?
1: That I definitely want to know. I also really hope you're going to tell us who the anonymous... Oh, I will. ...dobster was. I will. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay, so this is the nutso part, and like it always is in all these scams, it just came down to a fluke accident. Mm. Nobody's ever as smart as they think they
1: are. Oh, 90-something percent of crime is just opportunistic.
0: This absolutely was. So Simon Marketing, where Jerry Jacobson was head of security, And Dillard Printing, who print all the things, take this stuff seriously. That's why Mm. they do postage stamps and lottery tickets. Like, this is what they do. Mm -hmm. And they were not messing around with these Monopoly game pieces. So I had to write this down because it's, like, so complicated. So the winning game pieces had secret intentional imperfections on them. Mm -hmm. So people couldn't just create fake ones. Uh Uh-huh because this was like the 80s and 90s, it was still when you could probably just print your own and mm. it would look kind of real. But no, they had secret little things on them. They also had secret markings on them that you could only see under a black light. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was hard; it was pretty much impossible to fake them. So that was one precaution they took. Um, when the pieces were printed at Dillard Printing, they were brought into the Simon Marketing Office and there a bunch of executives and security people, including Jerry Jacobson, mm. Would watch and document the game pieces being put into envelopes. Mm. And those envelopes were then sealed with special holographic seals that they ordered from the only company in the world who makes <laughs> them in China. Mm. Those envelopes would then be put into a briefcase. That briefcase would be handcuffed to head of security, <laughs> Jerry Jacobson. Like they were taking this seriously. Then, just to cover their bases, they had an outside person from an accounting firm there. Um, her name was Hilda, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how at the Oscars they have accounting people whose job it is to hold the briefcase with mm-hmm. the envelopes, and that's how that big screw-up happened with um, Moonlight La La and La La Land. Yeah. See, it all comes down to human bloody idiocy.
1: <laughs> um, so they had
0: this ac- woman from an accounting firm. From So they were like, we'll have another outside person, so it's not just all of us. Mm-hmm. And she had a secret combination for one lock on the briefcase. And Jerry had a secret combination for another lock on the briefcase. So they were both needed to open it. Then the two of them with the briefcase handcuffed to him would fly to the like warehouse that makes and distributes all the cups and packaging. Mm. And while there, they would unlock the briefcase in front of everyone. Mm. They would pull out the special envelopes a bunch of people would have to confirm that the envelopes were sealed mm. with the special holographic seal still in place. Uh-huh. Then the winning pieces would be taken out of the envelopes, put onto random bits of packaging and sent to different locations across the country. So uh-huh. they were like, this thing is full proof. <laughs> Except. <laughs> and this is where it all just comes down to random chance. Mm-hmm. In 1989... Two years after the competition started, so Jerry Jacobson had already seen how the process worked for two years, um, as head of security, he was mistakenly sent a box of the holographic seals for the envelopes. <laughs> Just completely randomly, I, they sent it to him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So... He knew what to do. He was like, I know exactly how this works. Opportunity.
1: Yeah. I can monetize this for sure. Yeah.
0: So he managed to look while Hilda was putting in her code, Uh which would be easy enough. Um, They'd get to the airport. And the whole point of her being with him is that they don't leave each other's side. Mm. Like he's handcuffed to the briefcase. They've got a code each. They're always inside of each other. So Mm you know, transporting the pieces, nothing's dodgy. But he would go to the bathroom. Uh And because two codes were needed to get into the briefcase, one of which only she knew, she was like, yeah, okay, you can go to the bathroom. Mm. While in the bathroom, he takes out a pen knife, carefully slits open the envelope, takes out the winning pieces, swaps them with the same number of just regular pieces Mm. Reseals the envelope with the holographic seal sticker that nobody knows that he has, and that's it. Walks out of the bathroom, no one's the wiser. So, all he needed to do to steal 24 million dollars is pretend he was taking an extra long dump,
1: yeah, (laughs) on every single flight. Well, yeah, I
0: mean, maybe he had irritable bowel, I don't know. Um, so Like I said, 53 people end up getting charged. Mm. Um, All of those plead guilty except for seven of them. And the seven of them that don't are kind of the more experienced criminals. So Jerry Jacobson himself, Mm. a few of the recruiters who were like dodgy kind of mafia people, they were all like, I know my rights. And Mm. that's... New York. New York. Mafia. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> God, let's not go down that road. Um, this will get us stuck in Manchester <laughs> territory. Uh,
1: <laughs> uh, uh, we still owe people that, don't yeah, we? Yeah. Um,
0: and so, yeah, um, it was, I mean, the people who all pled guilty, they were just kind of regular people who didn't like um, uh that woman who, you know, the single mum, who was just like, this sounds like it'd be good. I mean, there were a couple of people who didn't plead guilty because they were like, I'm not guilty. Like, for example, there was this one guy who, um, he'd been recruited by a very close friend of his who said, I'm going through a divorce mm-hmm. and I just won this ticket. And if I, my divorce isn't final, if I declare it, my wife gets half Half of of it. it. And so he was like, I was just doing a favor for my friend. He said, if you cash this in, you can have some of it. Like, so he was like, I didn't know I was doing anything wrong. But then the prosecutor was like, but you, you were defrauding McDonald's, Mm -hmm. whether you thought it was for a noble reason or not. Mm -hmm. Like, but so in the end, all these people got charged. Um, that guy got off actually, the guy Mm -hmm. who said he didn't realize, um, but mostly because it's white collar crime the longest anybody got was Jerry Jacobson he got 3 years in prison um and he had to pay 12.5 million restitution which is kind of like a mm. fine mm. but you know he didn't have that money so he pays something like i think he continues to pay till today like three hundred and twenty dollars a month to the government (laughs) um there was another guy he was a recruiter he um got 18 months um and he said he got out after a year and he continues to pay like 102 dollars a month restitution um most of the other people like that woman who the single mother they she just got probation Mm -hmm. um a couple of other people just got like Had to wear an ankle bracelet for a while. That hardly any of them went to prison. Really, Mm. Um, they all kind of got off. And um, McDonald's, like they suspected, a lot of people tried to sue them. Mm. Um, Burger King for a while uh, took out a class action because they were like, everybody went to eat your burgers because they thought they were going to win, and they they would have yeah they would have otherwise been eating our burgers. And but that kind of got dropped. Um, McDonald's in the end. gave away $24 million in prizes to just random people at random stores to make up for the money that had mm. been stolen and the mm. prizes that had been stolen. A few people did randomly, They at a few random stores, they just randomly gave some customers a million dollars to like kind of <laughs> as a gesture of goodwill. <laughs> um, but everyone's, you know, out of prison now and that's kind of it and... Do you want to know who the anonymous tipster yes, was? Yes,
1: yes. From the very <laughs> beginning I've been gagging to know.
0: So if you're going to watch McMillions and you want it to be a surprise, then I would suggest, or, or, you know, I've given most of it away anyway. This mm. whole thing is a spoiler alert. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> but still, this is just the gist. Like this mm. is six hour long episodes, so it goes into way more detail yeah. than this. But um, so basically Jerry Columbo mm-hmm. had this wife uh-huh. called Robin um, and she kind of brustled against his mafia family. She mm. wasn't a very, like, um, obedient wifey. Mm. Like, she was a bit of a firecracker and didn't like following their mobster rules. I mean, to them, the traditional Italian slash mob wife thing to do is to stay home Mm. and cook and look after the kids and and support your husband in every way shape and form Mm. and she sort of wasn't really like that so she didn't get along with his family very well when he died in the car accident um she was driving the car so there was a lot of speculation that Mm. she had crashed on purpose because they weren't getting along and she wanted to get out of the marriage and stuff And, um, before, uh, this whole McMillian's scam was like, uh, found out she was in prison for something else. Cause Mm. after he died, she just went off the deep end and started stealing. And and so she got arrested for something random. She was in jail while she was in jail, Jerry Colombo's mother. So like this mafia matriarch Mm. was looking after their little son. They had a little two year old son together, Mm. Robin and Jerry Colombo. And when it got time for Robin's prison sentence to be up, um the Colombo matriarch uh. was like, I don't want to give over my firstborn grandson to this woman, uh-huh. like my dead son's horrible wife, who, mm. you know. And so she called the FBI and said, I know about this thing uh. um with this guy called Uncle Jerry. Um and he's scamming all the McDonald's competition, and she gave a few names, one of which was Robin's. Mm. And so the whole reason she did it was just because she wanted to get Robin's prison sentence extended so that she could keep custody of her little grandson. Oh. and she had no idea that she was going to just blow wide open this whole implicating. all She those thought people. that Jerry Jacobson and the couple other names she mentioned, so Robin and someone else mm. would. Get in trouble, mm. but instead the FBI was like, "This is way bigger than what we thought it was," and they went after everyone and blew the whole thing wide open. And she was like, "Oh, I just, <laughs> I just wanted my grandson." Uh
1: oh, <laughs> 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 things um, escalated. So
0: yeah, they there was so much specu- like the FBI has never confirmed who the anonymous source was. Mm. There's all this speculation about who it could have been, like someone that got pissed off by not getting their money or any number of people, and it just ended up being this woman totally separate from it Mm. who wanted to win a custody battle. Yep. And that was that. Wow. But the FBI won't confirm it. The only reason we know it for sure is because the makers of McMillions basically had it confirmed by a bunch of people in the family. Mm. They told Robin, because there's also a podcast to go along with the show, and they didn't say this in the show, but they said in the podcast they didn't want Robin to be surprised when she was watching the documentary that 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 her mother in law was the one who had mm-hmm. dobbed her in just mm-hmm. to keep custody of her son. So they told her, and Robin, who now has a pretty good relationship with all of that family, um, was like, "Oh, I kind of always in the back of my mind thought it might be her, and ah. thought that she wanted to keep mm. my son." And she said that she went and confronted her about it and. The matriarch, Columbo, just burst into tears and admitted that, yes, she had done it. Oh,
1: wow. I know. So much of this story just comes down to how funny we are as a little species. Yeah. Like, in that instance, spite inspired her to dob them in and fear that she was going to lose her yeah. grandson. Um, and the whole thing began just purely out of human error that the wrong guy got sent the holographic tape. And he
0: just happened to be the kind of guy who would take that opportunity Uh. and go with it. Like, cause if it was me, I'd just be like, whoops, here you go. Someone sent me this. But Mm. he just happened to be the guy who was like, ding, ding, ding.
1: Uncle Jerry. And so Jerry and Hilda were the... A couple of accountants the entire time.
0: Well, no, Jerry was head of security for the company. uh Hilda was an accountant that they brought in from an outside firm just to go along with him to, like, be as an extra form of Mm -hmm. foolproofness.
1: Right. But they were in the same position every year.
0: Yeah. People, they suspected for a while that maybe Hilda was in on it Uh because they were like, how is it possible? Like, her entire job was to stay within sight of the man handcuffed to the thing Mm. and, but they looked into her accounts and they looked into any, like she had nothing to do with it. She was like, I just let him go to the toilet. Mm. Like, which is like, but that's kind of the point of it you weren't meant to do that.
1: yeah And the funniest part of all to me is the way that we like just decide that something has value and has so Mm. much value. So these little bits of, I'm assuming what, cardboard and sticky tape. Yeah, it's like a a little
0: sticker that you peel it off yeah and then, yeah
1: and they suddenly were millions of dollars to the point where they're going through this whole rigmarole with the envelopes and the briefcases and the secret codes oh, and the yeah. handcuffs and
0: oh. And because it was a big deal and this is why people were mad when they found out not only that it had been people had been rigging it but also that when they found out their chance of winning was one in 250 million they were like what? like <laughs> because people there was like Online things like people on eBay were trading them and I've got this mm. one. If you trade me this one, I'm looking for this. But I'm willing to pay $5,000 for this piece. And mm. like there's this whole black market of people trading them and it's like, huh, oh, it didn't matter you were doing that because.
1: <laughs> the winning were, piece was never out there. Yeah, you
0: never had it. <laughs> Jerry had them all. Wow.
1: I know. That is such a good story. So you said they're still doing it here in Australia. Are they not doing yeah, it Yeah, we the US still anymore? do it.
0: Uh, no, I think they started doing it in the U.S., recently Mm -hmm. again Mm -hmm. but yeah they still do it all over the world they do it they did it here recently Mm -hmm. like they do it here quite often I'm so
1: on board with watching this documentary it is
0: amazing so yes I really do have to say that was just the gist of a very detailed fascinating hilarious documentary Uh. like there's just so many funny (laughs) characters in it Um, so that's called Macmillions and it's on, um, binge or HBO. And then accompanying that is something called the McMillions podcast where the two creators of the documentary, um, there's, uh, do an episode of a podcast to accompany each episode of the show. So uh-huh. they interview people extra and just talk more about behind the scenes stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, those two things are just, oh, it's what I've been obsessed with the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm so on board. Oh, it's so good. so interesting. And just like, what a ro- 24 million bucks, man. That's nuts.
1: And then they wanted him to pay back half of that, 12 million.
0: And he pays, yeah, a few hundred bucks a month. Yeah. To this day. <laughs> <laughs> My man.
1: was <laughs> such a minimal slap on the wrist. Yeah. Kind of seems worth it. Maybe crime does pay.
0: Well, they said to one of the recruiters who was um hilariously honest about just being dodgy and all his crime activities and stuff, they said to him, would you do it again? He went, oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> of course I would. <laughs> no regrets. Yeah, like he had no, he was like, yep. <laughs> it was easy money. So, and none of them went to prison for longer than, you know, a couple of years. Worth it. Three at the most mm. for the big boss.
1: That was so good. Oh, well know, done.
0: That was, was a good one. So, oh, my boobs look excellent <laughs> just saw them shake under my face Um. alright well that's that
1: till next week till
0: next week oh Um. email us at justthegistpodcast at gmail.com we've been getting lots of emails yes um, and we're loving them mm-hmm. um, and please send us all your orchestral Musical fan compositions. art compositions because that made us freak the F out
1: so good thanks okay. again Alex R
0: love you love
1: you bye <laughs>
0: Listener.